Learn the most empowering hiring techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with your host, Rick Gerard. A company founder approached me last week with a problem. He had a crucial role that has been open for past six months and no one has accepted his offer. Now, five people had been offered the job and every single person has turned him down. Now, when I asked why, the founder said, look, I did a great job selling each one of them from the very beginning, so it must have been the money. Then I asked, what was it that the person you were trying to hire really desired in their next role? And to that, his response was, I have no idea. See, we get so busy selling that we forget to ask. Interviewing is not about selling. Interviewing is about understanding the truth of what is important to the person on the other side of the table. And understanding is how we avoid turndown offers. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win-win the strongest hires by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry leaders like our guest today, Mr. Jeff Wolf. Jeff is an energy and clean tech industry leader and serial entrepreneur. He has spent his career creating new solutions in the built environment and clean energy. As CEO of Veloce Energy, he is working to accelerate electrification of everything by creating systems that reduce the cost, time, and complexity of powering EV charging and building electrification. He has been president for the Americas of a global EV charger manufacturer, worked in retail energy and in a multinational oil company, and designed over a billion dollars of hospitals, laboratories, and other infrastructure, which is what makes Jeff the perfect expert for today's topic. Jeff, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Great to be here, Rick. It's a pleasure to have you. So thank you for joining me. Today, we're going to talk about something that I know you do really well as a company in our conversation. I learned, I got really, really excited. We're going to talk about why listening during an interview process produces results and then how to let your candidates lead you to the truth and ultimately the right hiring decision. Sound like a plan? Sounds like a good plan. Start out with a hiring story because I've been doing this for a few weeks and the audience loves it. Let's talk about a hire that you made that was either a huge win or a disaster. Well, he uh, was a huge win. Yeah, we got here. And uh, so we, uh, we started Volocha with three founders, but we, we needed another person. Somebody was really, really good at high-power electronics and technology we needed to build. And uh, so I was looking around and saw a trip around and used my network and got a third-party introduction. So somebody I didn't know introduced me to somebody I didn't know, right? And then we met him in May of 2020. Remember, we're back in May 2020. Uh, initial Zoom time, COVID, right? Complete lockdown. So we met him over Zoom. I met him, talked to him a couple of times, had uh, my two co-founders talk to him a few times, talked to him as a group a couple of times, got to know him a bit. And we we brought him on, not just to the company, we brought him on as a co-founder. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't actually meet him in person until about five months later. And those two co-founders didn't meet him for about 10 months. And uh, I, you know, great, great success story. Great, great fourth co-founder, really ran it out of the team well. So you spent a bunch of Zoom time doing diligence and it ended up working out well. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Good for you. Well, you know, if we're going to be, if we're going to be virtual, we got to do everything virtual. We're going to be virtual. So It was tough during those times. There's still a lot of companies that are still making these decisions virtual and they're doing it very, very well. So kudos to you. Let's talk about uh, some of the challenges today. We had mentioned, I had this founder who said, hey, look, at, I've had five turned down offers. Nobody's accepting my offer. And I think it really boils down to the fact that he was going in and hard selling everybody right off the bat and really not understanding what was important to them. What's your take on that? I, I end up doing a lot of sales. 
and sales is first and foremost about listening to what your customer needs. And so if your customer is a potential employee, you've got to understand what they need. Because uh, you may well be able to offer it to them, but if you don't know what they need and don't listen to them, you might have what they need and not tell them about it. You know, and, and so you've got to understand what your what your customer, what your potential employee wants. Once you figure out that you want them, you got to figure out why they want to work for you. They, people have a lot of choices today. You know, I find it's important to actually find out what they want prior to you actually knowing whether or not you want them. People will save a lot of your time by saying, hey, look at I really want X. And you may or may not fit what X is. Yeah, I think it's a two-way conversation. And um, uh, you, know, you, you find out bits and pieces along the way. I think it's hard to structure you know, all one answers and all the other answers. Are wages really an issue? I mean, absolutely. I mean, they, but, they're, but they're not the only issue. Uh, my, my philosophy for a long time has been there's three things that keep a person employed. Uh, you got to pay them enough money. You don't need to pay them the most money. You need to pay them enough money. You need to give them a great environment to work for. And that's a physical environment and, and the people around them. And then you need to give them important work to do. At, at whatever level that is, there's important work for every person to do. If you give them all three of those things, you will have a long-term employee. If you give them two of those things, you'll have a couple-year employee, you know, your typical 18-month hopper in Silicon Valley. Um, and if you give them one of those things, you'll, if you get them on board, you'll get them for six months or until they find out your job. You really have to give all three. All right, well, I'm going to delve into that a little bit deeper, but why have you found that this is important to the company? People spend a lot of time at work and, um, you know, the, the happy people are better employees, right? We, we, we produce better work when we're happy. Um, and and uh, despite some bosses' misperceptions, perhaps. Um, so so we, we need to keep people happy. And also by providing them a more balanced, uh, you know, total comp package, if you will, you can actually provide people a lower wage and provide them other benefits that, that do cost money that are valuable. And, and so you can actually get a, a happier person and, a, and, and build a better team because you've got more to spread around. I like how you're looking at compensation, not just as a money, but as a holistic approach to solving a person's problems. We're, we're a startup. We don't have all the money in the world, but we have other, other benefits. Are right, you listening to the Higher Power Radio Show? I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to order your copy of Healing Career Wounds. Let it be your secret weapon to landing the strongest talent for your company. We're talking to Jeff Wolf, and Jeff is the co-founder and CEO of Veloce Energy. You started to get into this thinking of compensation as three critical elements. So let's delve into a little bit. A lot of people think of compensation primarily as the money, and you're looking at it as the work environment, the people, and then also the work that they're doing. And you know what's funny is I find that most people that I'm able to recruit out of companies right now aren't making the leap for the money. They're making it for either the content of the work or the people that they're working with. That's usually the big pain point or the career wound for most people that are looking right now. We are hiring people for less money than they're making where they're at. As expected, because that's what startups do. You don't have a big fat wallet like Amazon. Let's break this down. Talk to me about, you had a formula and I think you just shared it, which is if you're focused on the money, you can expect to keep people six months. I mean, this is where people are dropping on my end is people realize they took the job primarily for the money and then they started a new opportunity and they realized it's 
pretty much the same environment they just left, but just for more money. I, I give the example of, um, you know, look, if, if, if I say I could offer you a million dollars a day and I know you would quit before you earn the million dollars for the first day. The job is you've got to stand out in a pool of manure, sewer, sewage that goes right up to here, okay? You're not going to earn your million dollars. The, the work environment is not, is not very good. Um, That's a great analogy, by the way. This is what we do to people all the time. We bring them in, we put them in a pot of sewage and expect them to work because we're paying them a lot of money. The money at, at that level, the money does not. I, I have had, I've had one person in my entire career tell me, I'd take that job. I'm like, okay, fine, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't earn the million dollars. Um, it's just not real. Somebody would make it, but I wouldn't imagine that. I guess you can add fuel to fire by saying all your coworkers are going to be throwing more at you while you're, <laughs> while you're standing. Right, which, which is the American toxic work environment, yeah. Potentially shooting arrows or daggers at your back. Your idea is if you provide that, you can expect to keep somebody for six months, which is a really good takeaway from this. I mean, look at if you're just focusing on the money, which most people do, and you're not building out those other components, then don't be surprised when people leave you before a year. So if you provide two of the elements, do you have an idea of, are you saying the money and then maybe the good work environment, the good people? Yeah. And, and the next two are kind of, you know, either one, you've got to provide one of the next two in order to make somebody stay for a while. And, and that, that's, you know, people and, and a good physical work environment, right? They've got to have, if they're outdoor, the right clothing, the right gear, the right tools. If they're inside, they've got to be in a, in a good space that provides them what they need to do their work well and to be comfortable during the day. Um, and then, you know, the people around them is part of the work environment. You've got to provide other good people. You can't have bullies in the workplace. You can have bad actors in the workplace. Um, that's, you know, your bad actors won't quit. Everybody else will. Bad actors also sometimes do a very, very good job of convincing leadership that they're not bad actors, that everybody else is a problem. So you really have to go throughout your organization and with your eyes open because there's nothing worse than losing your A players. Well, this is part of, part of the idea that you've got to actually know your employees. They're not just employees, they're people. You've got another person. I'm so glad you said that because that's so important. And again, that springs from the very first point of contact with that person, getting to know and understand who they are and what's important to them. I'd like to pound home just the idea that that interview that you're conducting is not just to make sure that somebody qualifies for your job, but really to make sure that you guys are in alignment and that person can make an impact because you can provide them what it is they're looking for in their career. Well, alignment in both directions, right? And, and that really doesn't end either after they come on board. You've got to continue to work to provide what they need in their career because that, that changes over time. You mentioned a good work environment, good people. So we're talking culture here. Let's talk a little bit about how you build culture. Well, yeah, you, 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 you build culture collaboratively. It, it, I, I haven't found a recipe for it. Um, part of it is just being, being true. I don't think you can build a fake culture. I don't think you can build a culture that isn't embodied in the leaders. And so it's really about, about the leaders communicating, understanding what's driving the leaders of the company, and then communicating that with others. Because that is the, the leaders make the company culture. And you can push it and pull it and morph it a little bit here and there, uh, and you can display it in different new ways. But the, leader, the leaders are the ones who set the culture, create the culture, and then it's communicating that. And, you know, so it's, I've, I've always done it as being a try, trying, and, and in my career I've gotten successfully uh, successfully more successful at it, communicating with transparency. And, you know, my, 
myself personally, I'm driven by action on climate, by making good revolutionary action on climate. Um, and I've had a lot of people, a lot of business that I say, don't, don't share that, Jeff. Some people don't like that. It's like, well, some people don't like it. They probably shouldn't work for me. And that's, and that's okay. That is absolutely 100% true. You should never hire people that don't resonate with where you're looking to go. And it's okay to have a strong goal, purpose-driven, because it, that's part of what, it sure motivates me to get up every morning. And, and it motivates, you know, both the real estate company as not their sole motivation, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a coalescing force. That's interesting. So where did that advice come from where, hey, don't share that with everybody. You might scare some people away. Well, um, your typical MBAs, I might say. Um, yeah, I've never, I've never been to business school and I would almost, I considered going one time and people said, don't, don't go, Jeff, it'll ruin you. Um, so I didn't. Um, you know, the, the typical management philosophy is keep yourself apart from business. Um, uh, Lord John Brown, former BP CEO, just speak about that a bunch more recently. Like he kept himself apart from business and it, it cost him his career. Um, and and uh, so, you, you know, expose yourself in your career. Um, and, and, and that is who you are. Uh, it, it, I want to know how it's possible. You are the business, right? As the founder of the company or one of the co-founders of the company, you've set the tone and the culture and everything else. So how can you separate yourself from the business? Most managers do. It's all about money. It's all about metrics of performance in the company. It's not about what I believe. It's not about what drives me. It's not about what, what you know, wakes me up in the morning. It's about, did we meet our metrics this quarter? And it's about the metrics, not why the metrics matter. And, and it's, it's, it's a very, it's similar to having only compensation focus uh, for personal, um, focusing only on the money. You know, this gets into triple bottom line and such which it's, it's been pretty well proven that triple bottom line companies do better on the single bottom line than single bottom line companies do. But as a startup, you can't afford to have that mentality. It's just, it doesn't work. Uh, single bottom line or triple bottom line? Yeah, we can't afford to be single bottom line, frankly, because um, we, we're, we're trying to do, we're, we're, I don't want to say this the wrong way. We're not trying to make money right now. We're trying to make, make a company. Uh, money, money will come. We do need to make some money, but we need to build the company. Ninety percent of the company is the people. So let's talk about the interview. How do you conduct an interview that allows you to see whether or not somebody is aligning with you, the organization? So you know it depends upon the position, but it, it's first of all we do we do multiple interviews for each person, um, and we don't we don't interview to death. It's usually three interviews with somebody. Uh, maybe maybe one person does two interviews if, if they're particularly technical role. Um, but it, it's it's a few interviews. Uh, and, and you make, you make sure, we, we don't have a, a, a set standard question list. We, we each do our own questions, um, but we try and address both the technical expertise, you know, the business expertise, as well as, you know, why are they in this interview? Why, why do they want them to come work for us? Are you guys talking about who's talking about what? So you're not, there's no crossover? Uh, so, so we do some divide and conquer, yeah. Um, based upon, you know, I don't talk to somebody about their uh, uh, cloud experience too much, um, although I can touch on it from a non-technical side, so to speak. But um, so we do some division, but we also do some overlap because you can tell me the same thing that you tell another person, and we'll hear two different things. Okay, so you guys coordinate the overlap, and and so there absolutely is some overlap that we look at um, a lot around not the technical skills but the the softer. Uh, the software skills and the uh, 
culture. These are more values or mission-driven questions. Right, right. And then, and then we make sure we take notes and, and share the notes with each other. On the phone call, you shared with me your definition of what HR means to you. Let's talk a little bit about that because I found that really refreshing. And I think a lot of HR people will too. So, so I define HR not as meaning human resources, but as meaning honest relationship. Um, and, and, and I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying I'm great at it. But I, the goal in working with people is to be honest with them, which you know, honesty can be very, very hard. It's always easier longer term to be honest in the short term, but it's hard. It's better than what I was taught. I mean, I was taught HR stand for human roadblock, and that's something I always kind of chuckle out of. I think it's funny, but it's... Yeah. I mean, HR, large corporate HR is really not made for the employee. It's made for the corporation. It's made to stop. It's made, made to protect the corporation from lawsuits, fundamentally. Um, and, and that's not an unnecessary goal. You do want to protect the corporation, um, but you need to do it by understanding the person and being honest with the person rather than trying to create those roadblocks. And see, this is a value that you have embedded into your culture, right? So you want people that are drawn to that sort of view on HR as opposed to somebody who just is looking for blocking and tackling. When are you looking for value alignment? So, um, you know, all along the way, it, it's, um, you know, we don't always do three interviews with a person. Some people don't pass the first interview. Uh, you know, the, the, we find out the person only wants money. Well, we're not gonna get there. We're not gonna get there. It's not who we're looking for. So uh, we have the conversation all along the way, uh, both in each interview, but also kind of throughout each interview. Um, interviews, in, in, in my experience, tend to, to not be always linear. Uh, they, they tend to kind of pop around a little bit and, and follow chain of thought. You want to make sure you cover your, your areas, um, but it's not always in the same order. It's not always in the same format. It, it's, you've got to follow, because people, people are different, surprisingly, right? And um, because people are different, they communicate in different ways, and we need to respect that and work to communicate with them the way they communicate. And if we can't, of course, that's a signal that maybe it's not the right culture, not the right fit, not the right skill set. Um, but we do need to communicate, try, work, work to communicate and have the conversation as it works for people. I find the opposite to be true because I think that you can run an interview process where it's consistent, where everybody's kind of given exactly what the questions are that make it a little bit more fair and less bias ridden because ultimately what ends up happening is sometimes we like somebody or we don't like them. And then that conversation shifts whatever direction based on that first five minutes of the conversation. Yeah, that, that's, that's, um, that's widely thought to be true. And, and, and there is a lot of truth in that. However, any list of questions you come up with in any order has bias in it because somebody wrote those questions up and put them in that order. You know, we just, we just have interviewed some people who are not native to the U.S. They have different patterns of thinking. We want those different patterns of thinking. Those different patterns of thinking are valuable. If we make them conform to our list and our direction, the way we do things, they will not score as well as somebody who has the same culture. So you're talking about kind of the skills piece of it. Even the dialogue, different cultures do dialogue in different ways. I mean, the, the, the graphic example is, you know, in, in Spanish, they put an upside down question mark at the beginning of a sentence. Well, that's wrong, right? You don't do that. Well, you do in Spanish. So that, 
that physical thing changes how you ask the question. But then it makes sense, like from a skills perspective, but like if you're evaluating for values of whether or not somebody aligns with the values of the company, then there should be consistency in the questions that you ask because values transcend different cultures or different backgrounds. So if somebody aligns with the environment. Values transcend, but how you communicate those values might not transcend. Yeah, how you communicate those values. So um, someone might be, more concerned with air pollution than climate change, okay? Well, they're fundamentally the same thing and we achieve the goals in the same way, but they may talk a lot about air pollution. And I, I don't really care about the climate, I care about air pollution. Well, does that mean they're not aligned with us? No, I mean, they're still passionate about a mission that in alignment with cause and effect, right? So that, that's a pretty simple you know, example, but um, value, values are expressed in very, the same value can be expressed in different ways. Uh, you know, again, physically, some cultures don't hug. Other cultures hug. Do they love each other? Sure they do. Now, when you have a fit, how do you guys communicate that? You know, it, that, that's the easy part mostly because uh, uh, when we have a fit, we have a fit. And, and, so, and so people are, are excited about, um, you know, figuring out how to, how to make a number work and how to make the whole package work, right? Um, we've kind of, at that point, we've kind of already given them one piece we, we, they, or two pieces. But they know what work they're going to be doing. And that that's exciting them. They know some of the people who they've been working with, and that should be exciting them. And they, they know where the work environment is going to be. If it's work from home or if it's work at an office, they may not see in the office yet, but, but they know a lot of that. And so we're really only working on that third piece. And so our job is actually a lot easier because now we are kind of only talking about money, but they want to come to, to, to a yes because two, two thirds of the package is already negotiated. You had a thought on offers when you put out an offer. So, so part of honest relationship is, is really about about offering somebody an honest an honest offer. And you know, so we don't we don't try and 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 lowball people. Uh, we don't offer people you know what what you know we think they'll take. We we offer people what we think they're worth to us what we think, you know, what we're worth to us and what we can afford to pay that position to, to get the results we expect your person to have. And we don't try and come in, you know, low. We don't try and get a steal on somebody. Uh, I've always found that the backfire that people get. Now, now, now you haven't, you know, the first tier was you've got to pay somebody fair. So when you low somebody, you're not being fair. So you're not quote unquote negotiating, right? Like trying to drive somebody's salary down, but more providing it from the perspective of, hey, look at here's what we can afford. What do you think? Here's an offer we think is fair for your position. You know, fair fair in, in the marketplace as to where we are and um, it is what we can can afford for you. Jeff, thanks so much for sharing that. We're getting pretty close on time now. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience that they can plug into their business today? Learn to embody and, and express the culture that you create in the company. Don't be afraid of it. Own it. Share it. Uh, be proud of it. Um, culture, culture, culture wins. Um, don't worry about scaring everybody Canada away. If you scare them away with your culture, they shouldn't come work for you. It's it's a good thing. And then um, and then the last one was about the HR with the you know HR is honest relationships. It's hard. It's really important. It'll it'll make you more successful. I like it. I never heard that. I don't know if that's one of your core values of your company, but that would be a fantastic one. I'd borrow that for sure. I haven't heard it, heard it said much, but I, I think I want to put a little TM next to it. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, Jeff, thanks so much for your uh, time investment today. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of the audience can find you, your company, all that good stuff? So we're on the web at uh, velocianergy.com, all one word. And uh, I'm Jeff Wolf, jeff.wolf at velocianergy.com. All right. Well, I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share after all this shows for you. So we want to continue to develop great content for you week after week. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-O.com, or you can drop me an email at rickettstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday for another episode. It's going to actually be a solo episode. We're going to be discussing one of questions I've been getting pretty significantly over the past few weeks. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to hiring success, Rick Gerard.